Hello, everyone. I'm Chris Martinson of Peak Prosperity here with another edition of Off the Cuff. Today, very excited. We are talking with Ed Dowd, former BlackRock manager, a longtime financial professional with lots of other well, Wall Street experience and finance experience, but now a renegade truth teller about the mysterious rise in all-cause mortality that's stricken most of the developed world in 2021 and 2022. Regrettably, we're going to ask him, is it still continuing here in 2023? I foreshadowed that with the word regrettably. He is the founder of Finance Technologies with PH, uh, giving you that F sound, Finance Technologies, and the author of the highly acclaimed Cause Unknown, the Epidemic of Sudden Death in 2021 and 2022. Uh, today, we're going to explore what that possible cause might be. We'll talk about whether or not this is still happening as well as we're going to discuss his other area of expertise, the financial system and its inner workings and how all of this is connected. Ed, welcome to the program. So good to have you. Great to be here, Chris. Thanks for having me on today. Well, it, it is truly my pleasure. So um, why don't we start there with with this idea of all-cause mortality? Um, I have a couple of slides here that, that I could, you know, uh, put forward. Um, this is one here. This is your book, obviously. Great customer reviews, 1,926 reviews, 4.8 out of 5. Look at these reviews. I agree with this person. This should be in the mainstream media headlines, but is not. That's what they're saying. Um, what's your book about, and uh, is that a fair statement? That's a great statement because in my book, I start to investigate the uh, – sudden in, uh, athletic death syndrome that has uh, swept the globe. And then uh, I put story after story in the book and without comment, it's just it's just a uh, link to the website and all of them are QR coded so you can go to all these individual stories. And I talk about the fact that uh, prior to 2021, there were sudden athletic deaths but they were very rare. And there was a study that's in, in my book called the Lusane study that ended in 2006, looked at 38 years. And by their, the way that they defined it, there were uh, 1,101 sudden athletic deaths, which is 29 a year globally. These are people under age 35 that died on the field and or on the way to the hospital. So did this phenomenon occur prior to 2021? It sure did. Mm -hmm. It did. But what we've noticed is the frequency of this is off the charts, 10, 20x. Then I look at other other databases like CDC databases, uh, Society of Actuary databases, U.S. Disability databases, some, and then we calculated on our own some excess mortality uh, statistics in, in Europe, different countries. And what we saw was a sudden mysterious shift from 2020 of mostly old folks who died excessively to young folks dying excessively in 2021 and continues in 22 and sadly in 23. So something happened in 2021 that caused young people to mysteriously start uh, dying excessively. And uh, interestingly enough, if you look at what happened to the insurance companies, sure, in 2020, old people died. They lost some money, but they started losing more money in 2021 in 2022 because younger people started dying and um most of the you know if you if you're expected actuarially to die at 82 but you die at 80 insurance company doesn't really lose any money because you've already paid especially if it's a whole life policy you've already paid in and you know you get paid uh but group life policy uh is a different line of business it's not underwritten it's uh and by underwritten what that means is you know if you want to get a term life policy 
or a whole life policy, you need to go undergo a medical examination by the insurance company. And they have specific secret sauce that determines the pricing of, of your policy. So if you get a whole life policy when you're younger uh, and you're very fit and very healthy, the pricing is good. If you're trying to get a policy at age 60, uh, you actuarially and also you're you know depending upon your health situation you're going to pay a lot so group life they give it's a it, it's not underwritten it's given to all employees of fortune 500 and mid-sized companies that, that when you onboard and, and many of, of, of us have done this in our career you work for a big company you go in day one and you get uh a, you know you get your healthcare hr forms and you you pick your healthcare plan and then you sign your uh, group life policy and, and, and long-term disability signature and you name a beneficiary. And it's usually if you die while working, one or two extra base salary. Great business for the insurance companies because they know uh, how many people are going to die depending on your age band. And it's very predictable business. It doesn't vary that much. It's great business. And it's, 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 it's a moneymaker. Well, you know, this all went off the rails in 2021. And uh, in January of 2022, um, Scott Davison, the CEO of One America, said that he was seeing 40% excess mortality in the working age people, 25 through 64, and uh, 40%. Now, 40% is an insane number uh, because he said, quote, 10% uh, is a once in a 200 year flood in the three standard deviation event. 40% is, you know, many standard deviations above normal. And uh, in our work and in the book, we discover something interesting. We discovered that um, the group like people died at 40%, but the general US population died at 32% excess mortality. So why would the people with the best access to the best healthcare who are the most able-bodied and fit working in some of these great corporations suddenly start dying more than the general U.S. population. We have our theories, new novel technologies that may have been introduced to the population. Um, uh, and something something mandated, Ed, by, by the companies? Just It would be something, right? There's it would some, be something. Some difference between the working population on average compared to the non-working population, right? Correct. Correct. And, and, you know, what's interesting is that the insurance industry already knew that this group was healthier than the average Joe. They did a study to prove what they already knew. And in 2016, they did a report that uh, showed that group life uh, individuals in that cohort died at one third uh, the mortality rate of, you know, the general U.S. population in any given year. So suddenly that flipped big time, eight percentage points in one year. Wow. And uh you know, that's that's the problem and needs to be investigated. Uh, what I find curious and I think you find curious is that there's cr crickets uh, in the mainstream media and the, and the regulatory health authorities as to what's going on. And, and, and to that reviewer in the book, that's exactly what uh, uh, is so interesting about my book is I don't go into the who and the why. Of why I just it just is. And there's no conspiracy theories. It's just numbers. I speculate as to why this is being caused, but I, I, I say if you don't believe me, at the very least, it should be talked about. And the fact that it's not suggests a cover-up in process. 
Well, let's go right to the beginning of the headwaters of this, because you mentioned something at the beginning. You said using CDC databases, using various databases. How much do you trust those databases? How would you rank so the, them? The, the, we're looking, interestingly enough, my team, we just had a discussion this morning. They just got the CDC data, and we're going to start looking at indiv individual causes of death. And they, um, they actually have uh, part of their policy is suppression of data under a certain number. So uh, we, we were able through um, some interesting uh, ways of looking at the data to unsuppress the data. So we will be coming out with reports over the next three months looking at that. These, the, the excess all-cause mortality is still present in the numbers. The causes is obviously uh, something that uh, you can play. It's, it's called class, classification uh, of, of the cause. And a lot of the causes are still unknown. But uh, there, there, there's a phenomenon, uh, you know, what, let's look at the Enron fraud and the WorldCom fraud. That was classic accounting fraud, but it was a classification fraud. You called, mm -hmm. you, you, instead of capitalizing the expense, uh, instead, of, instead of expensing it through the P&L, you capitalized it and that made your cash flow look better. Classification fraud. We suspect, we, we can't prove there may be some classification fraud going on in some of these, some of these, uh, uh, bodies, but we've been able to get a hold of some clean data in the UK, and we're seeing uh, their disability system gone off the rails. Uh, we're seeing cardiovascular events in the UK for 15 to 44 go off the rails, statistically cancers. So we're getting at the data, and, and, and we also use the US Bureau of Labor Statistics, which is a survey, and I love it's the same folks that give us the employment number every month. They give us yeah. disability. Dis, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they give us disability data every month. It's real-time uh -huh. data for survey, and they don't seem to be corrupting that data because it shows that it went off the rails beginning in February of 2021. We were running around 30 million disabled Americans, and in 18 months, we added uh, 3.2 million disabled Americans to the survey, uh, half of which were employed, 1.7 million. Very curious that the employed suddenly getting started suddenly getting disabled. The criticism I get is, well, Ed, people are applying for uh, disability, and but the, the that database doesn't uh, doesn't care about that because it's not tied to a uh, doctor's note or a claim. It's literally a survey uh, of people being asked a question, and so that. Mm -hmm. That's why we like the data. It's real time. It's not tied to a claim. Uh, is there some disability fraud? Sure, but not 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 a three standard deviation rate of change growth event that occurred starting in 2021. Yeah, um, I had some confusion about this at the beginning, um, and and had to go through it. And uh, Dave Fairtex at our site parsed through it. And so that disability thing you're talking about, again, it's just a survey, right? These aren't people going on to the disabled roles at, at SSI, right? Social Security Administration, right? They're, these are just people, they get a call or however they do the survey and they say, hey, has anything kept you out of work? You know, if you, do you feel disabled in any way? And people either say yes or no or something, right? So they're just yeah. reporting it. It's not, like you said, it's not tied to a claim. This isn't because people are trying to get a few extra bucks out of the system. They're just saying something prevented me from working. Correct. Yeah. And and and, and again, uh, it jumps around from month to month because it is a survey. But, the, you know, the trend is your friend. And unfortunately, the trend went up mm -hmm. and to the right into September of 2022. And if you know, I was hoping that it would come back down and normalize. 
it didn't. The trend didn't, you know, if this was a stock, a growth stock, and that was a growth stock manager, yeah. you know, it broke it broke out in February of 2021. Then it, it consolidated the trend until June of this year. So September of 2022 to June of 2023, it did a consolidation period if you're a stock uh, person. Then it broke out again and reaccelerated. And when we added another million people in June, we're in the process of back testing the breakout. And I suspect that'll hold and we'll continue to, you know, as the survey rolls through time, we'll we'll see that that breakout hold and maybe even reaccelerate. So that that that's how I think about trends. It's not a perfect mm -hmm. survey, but it get it, it, it's you know, over over long periods of time, it's capturing something. Yeah. Now, um, I, I actually think of COVID, you know, in two phases, right? There's pre-Omicron, post-Omicron. Now, Omicron was a beast, right? It had the the R-naught like of measles in an unvaccinated daycare. You know, it was just, it was really astonishing. It spread really fast. It outcompeted all the other things, thankfully, because we had Delta running around at that point. No, no bueno. Delta was kind of a beast. But Omicron, totally different thing. And, and of course, you know, we don't see people, all the doctors I'm in touch with, they don't say we don't they don't see people showing up sick like they were before. So I'm thinking that if this was a trend you're talking about that is related to covid itself, we really people you can't say covid because alpha was different from beta was different from delta was different. They're just they had different characteristics. So my point here is, is that to see this trend sort of carry across that whole landscape uninterrupted, even though. The COVID landscape is highly variable and seeing as well that there are vast differences in this experience you're talking about of dis death and disability across countries. It starts to give us some clues, doesn't it? A little bit here, what we can rule out maybe. Yeah, certainly. So, uh, you know, I noticed this, this trend of the variants becoming less uh, uh, virulent, but more, you know, transmissible, which is what, you know, evolutionarily a virus does. It, it doesn't want to kill the host because it can't spread. So over time, this is the, this is this is the evolutionary mechanism of a virus, mm -hmm. and this is what happened. And Omicron now is nothing more than a head cold. I got I got Omicron in July of 2022, and I got it again this year. I did not go to see a doctor. It presented as a head cold and a sore throat for me. Uh, and I was over rather quickly. The only reason I knew I got it, was, and I don't, I, you know, is because people around me got it tested and called me and said, you should test yourself. And so I tested and of course I had it, but it was nothing compared to other uh, flus I've had uh, in the past and or food, the food poisoning I got two weeks after I got COVID. Food poisoning was way worse than COVID. That's real. That's real. Yeah. And that was that was hard to get over. But that was uh, that. that so that, I'm, I'm trying to set up for your audience that we we're, this is now a head cold at this point. Mm -hmm. It's a cold. Um, so the question then becomes, um, why are young people excessively dying still? Why is disability not trending back down? Why are absence rates and work time lost? Another database that the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, gives us it, it, the, the only problem with that database. It's not monthly; it's annually, and we looked at those numbers. And absences and work time lost went off the rails in 2021, and again, and even more so in 2022. And, the, and we have 20 years of data, 20 years of a trend line from which to you know calculate deviation from norm, 
And 2022 yep. was a 12 and a half standard deviation event in work time lost. That's 12 huge. 12 and a half. There's yeah. one, and I don't even know what the number is. It's a big number, right? One in a billion or something, or? Yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, for your audience that doesn't understand the standard deviations and statistics, you and I in finance look at these all the time. They're called, oh, it's a three sigma event. That makes us go, wow, that's a big deal. Uh, mm -hmm. That happens 0.3% of the time. Well, you know, uh, a 3.8 standard deviation event is the chance of lightning hitting you once in your lifetime. So that, so the higher up the standard deviation chain you go, the more improbable it is that it's not, you know, it's supposed to not happen. But if it keeps ha happening with regularity, we call that a signal in finance and science and whatever. It's a signal. So we got signals everywhere, unfortunately. Yeah, if I can, I'll just, um, let me see, let's go here real quick. So this is from Ben at um, uh, at U.S. Mortality. And so here he's looking at Canada, right? And if we go along, the this is um, excess deaths per 100,000. So it's all normalized. And by the way, it's age standardized. And it just says ah, something, something, you know, to me, you talk about signals. I don't understand. Well, that's an editorial sort of a question, rhetorical. But I would think that a, a regulator, a health regulator, somebody who's a public health official would look at this and say, Five five alarm fire. We have a problem here. Is, is does this not speak to what you're talking about here? There's something going on. And by the way, pursuant to what we were talking about, it seems to kind of just rise and still uninterrupted. It's not like not cooling off here yet. Yeah, no, correct. And again, if if we if all of the um, efforts to suppress uh, COVID had worked, we should be back to normal. There should have been a spike from COVID then a resumption back to normal. That has not occurred, and it seems to be cumulatively, that's a great chart going up and to the right. That's what we call a growth stock in finance. Mm -hmm. And if that was the growth stock, I'd, it would be more than 5% of my portfolio. So that's a trend that's not your friend, unfortunately. And is it a signal? You bet it is. And so I, the question we've been asking, and I say this in my book, it's a cover up, we pay billions of dollars in budgets around the globe to these health authorities that have people on staff that can do the math that we do. They see the signals and the, the question needs to be asked, why are they not talking about it? So I have a question then, Ed. Um, so this book comes out high, very well reviewed. It's really well put together. It seems very, I don't, don't take this the wrong way, but cut and dried, right? The data's there. Um, how many, I, I know you've got, uh, you know, five interviews today. How many interviews have you had with, say, what we'll call the mainstream media, New York Times, Washington Post, CNN? How often have, have they come knocking? That's a goose egg. Zero. The big zero. Big zero. Wow. In fact, in fact, I was fact checked before I wrote the book because I was publicly speaking about the data and some of the conclusions that ended up in the book. And they went viral, as you might imagine. And, mm -hmm. uh, Reuters and uh, AP approached me to fact check me on, at the time, it was um, uh, 2020, 2021 go going into 2022, to fact check me on excess millennial deaths. And they said, uh, I did not respond. The key, the key to fact checkers is never respond because they've already had the story written and, and they're just looking for you to make an unforced error. So I didn't respond. The articles came out saying that I was incorrect and that their experts had said there was no excessive millennial death. Roll forward, they're now admitting there is, 
but they blame a thousand other causes other than the one I think. And, uh, but, but they, 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 they're trying to normalize it as if this is just something that we're going to have to live with. And, and there no alarms need to be wrong because it is what it is. Yeah. I, I did a whole series on fact checking the fact checkers. Cause I actually, I'm interested like a fact check, like, well, who is it? Right. So, you know, Reuters has one AP has one, um, you know, there's factcheck.org health check. In fact, here, uh, this, I pulled this up, right? So that you got fact checked by health check, uh, healthfeedback.org here, right? And they said they put up all this stuff saying, oh, yeah, here's what they said. Uh, they said, yeah, Ed made these crazy claims here, but um, sudden adult death syndrome isn't new, they say here. Uh, <laughs> and reports of SADS date back to the 90s. So, so, so there you have it. Um, but when, when you dig into these, my point is, so these people, their prime funding comes from a guy who's a hardcore partisan Biden and Obama supporter, right? And you dig into APs. Everybody there went to like journalism school. Nice schools. A lot of Brown University, Columbia, right? Uh, but my favorite was getting, I got fact-checked by a Beatrice Dupuy on AP about Ivermectin. And her prior uh, beat was Teen Vogue. Um, is it annoying to you to be fact-checked by people with no credibility and 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 background whatsoever uh it, it's annoying but you know at this point we're, we're we're all discovering there was a um there's an industry that's grown up around uh basically working for corporate america they launder uh mm. they launder their marketing through these people it's 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 a it's a it's a way of them not engaging with us and and, and using the quote-unquote patina of authentic journalism to squash us and at this point, the good news is I kind of view it as a badge of honor. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, and, and anybody, I don't know if you've noticed, but early on in the early days, my trolls would say he's been debunked and put the fact check story. Yeah. As we roll through time and more and more comes out about the, the industrial censorship complex, uh, those trolls no longer come at me with those, you know, AP and that they're becoming less. Um, uh, the credibility is going to zero quickly, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I think uh, I've had, um, I've gotten some private information that some of them are actually quite alarmed at their loss of stature status. They used to just say stuff and it was completely accepted because they were the anointed ones. And and suddenly with a little bit of pushback, they're finding out um, it's not as fun as it used to be. Uh, and and so I, I've seen a lot less fact-checking of late. I don't know what your experience has been. Um but it seems to be on the wane because I think it's lost its effectiveness, but they have new tools now, I think. Yeah. I, I would love to hear what you think they are. There, there, there seems to be um, a new bevy of trolls that are using data that seems to be manipulated and trying to debunk me with their data, different kind of troll. Um, mm -hmm. and, and of course I never, I don't engage with trolls because I don't have time of, uh, you know, our data stands and if, Somebody serious wanted to debate us like from a Stanford University. You know, we, we we put on an event, but no one's done that yet. No one wants to really debate facts like excess mortality or absence rates or, you know, work time loss. I mean, they, they just are. We can debate what we can debate what the cause is, but they just don't even want to highlight that this is occurring. That That's where we are in the debate. They just rather not talk about it. Yeah, well, why would they? I mean, it's embarrassing, right? So remember you had to follow the science and they, we were beaten with that. You have to follow the science. 
And their science led to things like masks and lockdowns, which now they're calculating have done extraordinary damage to developing humans like children. Um, and, and now they just don't want to talk about it. You know, they'd rather not, they'd rather not go there. Um, but I'm very worried about this on a number of levels because this loss of science. So, so remember, this whole thing, again, Ed, I don't know how many standard deviations this is, but if they were just incompetent, you would flip the coin and every so often it would come up the right way, you know? But everything they did actually made things worse. Ramped up fear, kept people inside, isolated, afraid, out of the sun with vitamin D. They didn't mention any positive things you could do. Um, they suddenly lost uh, the meaning between what's a case, what's an infection. All of a sudden, we didn't know what herd immunity was anymore. It got redefined every step of the way. Everything was as if this coin came up heads 40 times in a row. So uh, now that you've been in this, I mean, you've been at this a good long time now. How do you interpret that now? Well, I love to point to Australia as a case study. Australia did everything you just talked about and then some. And I did a, I did a, uh, I was invited to Perth and I spoke before an auditorium of 2,500 people filled to the brim, talk about what I thought it was. I, we all know what my conclusion is. And I said, at the very least, let's say I'm wrong. Whatever you did here in Australia took your excess death in 2020 from minus 2% to plus four in 21 to plus 16 in 2022. So what, what you've done has, whatever it is, Whatever what the, what the decisions made by your authorities have resulted in World War II like excess deaths for this country. And at the very least, you need to fire all these people and do an investigation. That's what I said. And they, they, that, that, that resonated. <laughs> I think I saw a clip of that. It didn't just resonate. I mean, that was like uh, a standing O kind of time. That was that looked really high energy. Um what, what was your sense in Australia of like how many I, I talk with people from Australia all the time and and they still feel a little alone, the people who are in who would have come to that auditorium. Right. Um, where do you think think we are in the wake up cycle here? Well, so it was interesting. I, um, I, I, I made a challenge to them. I said, look, you, you're a smaller country compared to the U.S. I think it's 22 million population versus or 25 versus 330 million. I said, y'all went over the cliff together for the most part, because you all, you know, people in the auditorium obviously weren't mostly on our side, but you're, you're not as divided as we are in the U.S. You can pull a 180, and my challenge was for them to ban the, what I thought was causing it before we did. And I, I, said, I said, you know, shame the Yanks. And then I went on a news show the next day, uh, Sky, Sky News, I forget the name of the show, and I was told not to talk about they were wanted to talk about economics and I was told not to mention the taboo subject. And so I, and they said, if I did, I'd be kicked off the program. Interestingly enough, the person who was interviewing me asked me about the taboo subject and I just stated some facts and he made a bunch of disclaimers, but the people that, that were, he, he was a host and two commentators, the three of them, they both look visibly, visibly disturbed by my simple facts about excess deaths and disabilities in the U.S. And at the very least, the question needs to be asked, what's causing them? And they, they, they got the joke, unfortunately. So I think, I think, it's, I think it's happening in Australia. And I've, I've been reached out by a couple of MPs reached out to me mm -hmm. from Australia. So I, I, think it's, I think the worm's turning there. 
And uh, I think they're mad. And, you know, they're, they're strong, stout people. And I think once they collectively turn, they could probably move faster than us, is my guess. Yeah, it's, I think smaller is more nimble is going to be a, a a benefit here. Um, same thing for Canada, I would I would assume, and New Zealand, which just had a surprisingly good election. Um, but I'm going to turn to some official statistics now because uh, this just came from the chief nerd, and this is pouring through ONS, which is the UK health system, and here they're looking at all cause age standardized mortality rates by this status of this thing that you see in the title there, um, and this is 18 to 39 year olds. Ed, this should be our our healthiest people, right? And so right. first I want to just point out that this is a chart and it looks like statistics, but these are horrifying numbers to me because the white on the bottom are the people who have had no interventions. And then there's, as you go up into those darker colors, these are people who've had more and more and more of these uh, interventions that you see in the title there. Those, every one of those is a tragedy. These these are horrifying numbers to me. What do you make of, of this data? Well, it it's like it's a signal. It's a signal. I haven't had a chance to look at the data, but it, it certainly complements what we've done and and, and uh, verifies what we've been saying. So what's great is more and more people are looking at this issue and recreating um, not only our data, but other other data sets. So this is what we wanted. The goal was, you know, we, we don't pretend that we have uh, the monopoly on this issue. Uh, we were hoping that we just just by injecting it into the conversation, Others would recreate it. There's other, uh, I think, teams doing the same work, coming up with the same answers, which is what you want to see in academia. So we're not in academia, but we're creating a, an alternative academia, verifying each other's results, which is good. I mean, we don't, you know, we we don't pretend we have all the answers. So that's the, mm -hmm. I think it's fabulous that this is going on personally. Well, it it is, and of course, you know, with the, with the tragedy under it all, um, just overshadowing all this now 2023 back to the story at hand uh that that chart i showed by uh u.s mortality by ben it doesn't seem to be abating what what are you seeing in the data now well let's go let's go let's use the society of actuary data let's look at ages zero to 44 not supposed to be dying these are claims in the in a cohort that i just told you was healthier than the general u.s population uh, the Society of Actuary Numbers came out in that, that age cohort. It was 13% excess mortality in Q1, 18% in Q2. And I'm being told that the third quarter is going to be 30, 32%. So it's reaccelerating. So there seems to be this, this mm. issue. We saw a big acceleration in uh, 2021 in millennials of 80% into the third quarter of 2021. I've talked a lot about this on other shows. It's come down since then, and it's uh, now and it, and there there's, there seems to be some sort of uh, wave to this wave up, lull, then reacceleration, lull, reacceleration. So it seems to be running around twenty percent for um, healthy working age people, which uh, if that continues is uh, economically a disaster. Are we seeing any? Um premiums increase for uh, health insurance. I mean, it's, uh, I would consider the insurance companies, they're all about the numbers. I mean, if the underlying tables have changed, they'll, they'll adjust their policy premiums, won't they? They've already, so what happened during COVID, a lot of insurance companies blamed it on COVID mm -hmm. and they said internally, well, 
these excess mortality rates will normalize. Well, now this is becoming a board level discussion. The board members are now asking questions. I know this for a fact. For the first time, why is this persistent? That Now, they're not blaming what I think it is, but this is now a problem that needs to be discussed. So soon the insurance industry will have to face the reality of what's going on. What they've done in the interim is they've raised pricing in group life policy. So group life policy pricing went up across the board. You don't see that as an employee because the company eats it. What that does mean is more and more companies will drop group life policies for their employees. Mm -hmm. that, that, that benefit will just go away. But um, whole life policies are obviously, I don't see the, uh, I don't see the, um, the pricing in that specifically, but I've heard anecdotally that some people, some insurance companies, and I won't name the one, has pr have priced themselves out of the term business, term life business. So there's a market, term life, whole life. Term life is a big market for people who want, you know, protections should they die of one, two, three, four, five million dollar policies. One company decided to price themselves out of it because they they, they must know something. And what they do is they set the price so high that they're going to lose to their competitors. So they haven't officially terminated the line, but they don't want it. So mm -hmm. that that that's what I'm hearing is the pricing is going up across the board and uh, you're going to be paying more and more. And I think at some point, specific questions in, when they underwrite new policies will be asked, did you take a certain intervention, perhaps? Mm-hmm. Well, it'd be interesting to see what it takes to get to that level of common knowledge. What about um, what about auto insurance? Really shocking, up nineteen percent in the most recent you know year over year report. Uh, is there any chance that's because there's more accidents for some reason? Yes, um, we haven't done specifically uh, the work on that, but I've seen others work that something is going on uh, with uh, traffic fatalities, accidents, insurance rates. Uh, absolutely, something changed in 2021 and continues this year in terms of uh, people being more accidental on the road for some reason. Mm. I think we know the reason, but uh, um, it uh, it's definitely in the numbers. And also, there's numbers of uh, incidents occurring on planes with pilots and staff that have jumped as well. That's data we are looking at. We may do something on that uh, in the future. It's um, there, you know, the, the, the FAA has to record these incidences. And so we're going to start looking at that. Now, um, you know, what's interesting to me is, is uh, so I, I love this idea of common knowledge, right? Which I got from Ben Hunt. This whole idea of common knowledge is when everybody knows that everybody knows something. Private knowledge is you and I discussing something and people at the board discussing something. But all of a sudden, common knowledge is when it's that moment when the child yells out, the emperor has no clothes, right? And then everybody already saw that for themselves, but something happens. And I've been waiting for that common knowledge shift to sort of occur on this topic. I'm really surprised at the resistance still to looking at something that's so horrifying, which is, well, deaths you normally don't see outside of the context of a world war in our younger people. I would have thought that would have somehow penetrated. It hasn't. How do you explain that? That is the question we'll have to look back on throughout history. But, you know, look, people always ask me the question, why is it so difficult for people to see this? 
And I think we have to go back to 2021 when there was this push uh, to um, push treatments on each other and the PSYOP that was in, uh, engaged in and the attachment of emotion, ego and fear to this decision to go ahead with their own intervention and then pushing it on others. And something my ethics professor said uh, when I went to IU back in uh, 95 through 97, something stuck in my head. He said, you can't rationalize facts to someone whose position is based on emotion. Mm. And that stuck with me. And then when I, went, when I went on to BlackRock in the financial markets, and you know this as well, we've dealt with people that have written stocks down to zero. Despite the bevy of new facts coming in that suggest something as ba bad is going on, their ego was so heavily invested in this idea they can't let go of it. This is, I think, the phenomenon that's occurring. The good news is I do think it's slowly shifting. The, um, the uh, percentage uptake of certain in interventions is abysmally low at the moment, uh, the, new up the, the, the new programs, which is good. Um, but there still seems to be a hesitancy to, to name it when you hear something, like for instance, so-and-so experiences something we need people to say, I think it's this. People are still hesitant to say this, but we're getting there. And I, I noticed something very interesting in my social media. I, I like to analyze my own, the phenomenon of Ed Dowd, pull myself out of it. I did nothing over the Thanksgiving weekend in terms of activity on Twitter, but uh, right after Thanksgiving, my follower count exploded. It went up, uh, a I, I gained about a hundred followers a day. And I got a thousand very quickly. And I think what was going on, despite my lack of activity, was that there were discussions at the Thanksgiving table that were heated. And I think that thanks this Thanksgiving, I think, may be a beginning of a shift. I think a lot of people gathered at the table, heard the stories of so this is when families share what's going on with so and so. And I think some brave souls, you know, said, look at Ed Dowd's work. And I'm just a small indication of that, but I think these conversations were multiplied, not about Ed Dow, but about this issue. I think we're getting closer and closer to what I call the event, the uh, the um, intervention event horizon. Yeah. And uh, that that that's what, a moment when you said the common knowledge flips. And I think yeah. we're getting closer to it. I think we're on our way. I think so, too. And I live by the anecdotes when it comes to this kind of a thing, because social change, you can detect it way before it becomes written about in the newspapers. Um, it, it's in the fashion shows. It's in movie plot lines. But but more recently, I've had a well, unfortunately, a number of people that I've heard about um, one step removed had to go to um, funerals recently. Um, one right over the Thanksgiving weekend came back and reported that um, the, the topic had changed. Hey, maybe. Maybe this thing that shall not be named Voldemort was was responsible, you know, so this is like this was would have been verboten before. And now it's being openly discussed. Right. Um, so it, we're getting closer and closer. That's why I think it's important to do what you do and what I do, which is you got to keep pushing, because when we get to common knowledge, when everybody knows that everybody knows, there's no hiding anymore. And at this stage, Ed, I mean, everybody knows somebody who's been hurt yep. or killed. Right. I mean, yep. not. Unless you live in a cave and you know nobody, you, you probably have a story at this stage, right? Absolutely. And the number the numbers we saw 
that we we put out a um, a, a report of uh, intervention, death, disabilities, and injuries. And when you add up all our our, our projections, um, deaths was three hundred thousand. We think that's low. That's this is just twenty twenty two. 1.36 million new disabilities and 26.6 million injured and injured we that category is people who are chronically sick and missing work so that's close to 30 million people and most of them employed by the way so the this is a 30 million people someone knows someone that is being affected that that's 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 not hard at this point to figure out yeah now, um, to expand the story out, it, have you noticed, again, at the country level, I, I showed some data from the UK, they, they, they have some there. Um, there's been some disturbing stories lately that maybe quality control on this product has not been stupidly super good. Um, that, in fact, maybe there were certain batches that were um, far worse than others. I think that's established, in, at least in my evidentiary chain. I'm pretty solid on that one at this stage. Um is there any do you have any sense yet have you have you taken your data down to look at sort of um uh impacts by by batch and how those batches got distributed not yet uh right now we're working on some cdc data that gets into causes and, and we'll be able to analyze mm -hmm. states at some point then we can link it up to the batch data um yeah we we just avoided that because we're looking at country level, all cause mortality, eventually we'll, it'll, it'll, it's a, it's a puzzle and we're working our way towards it. Yep. Well, the, the, the common knowledge that, that that'll be a positive that comes along and, and maybe we'll get some other changes that are helpful. COVID was a, a real wake up call for me because, you know, my PhDs in, in, in pathology, I went to Duke university medical school. So I kind of got the, the treatment, you know, um, and, and was fairly well indoctrinated. And I would have told you, Ed, prior to COVID that taking vitamins was just an expensive way to take a leak, you know, but now I know about, <laughs> right. Now I know about vitamin D, right. The daily part of my personal like supplementation. Um, now I know about a lot of things that, that have sort of opened my eyes. And in fact, I will tell you this, my Evie, my fiance and I, we have this little pinky promise. Like if, if, unless we're arterially bleeding, we're not going to the hospital anymore. They broke my trust badly right with the ventilators that didn't work and remdesivir and all of that stuff um and so what's the positive well i i'm on the board at the flccc and and, and they're busy just replacing that system it's like I, it's just so broken i think we just have to turn away and say there's no reforming the cdc there's no shaming the fda into being better there's no taking a ceo of a hospital and convincing them you know not to be the way they are i think we just have to begin replacing those systems right and and but here's the best part the internet you can get access to all the information you want now doing your own research but it's there and i think it's a big positive actually you know like you i you know i was indoctrinated into the system but i had a wake-up call personally when i had mild anxiety and depression made the mistake of seeing a uh, psychiatrist and uh getting on some of these um, antidepressants, which made me clinically depressed, yes. clinically depressed. And then uh, coming out of that, luckily I met a um, psychiatrist who did the opposite of that. He said that these drugs don't work, uh, that they never had any studies to prove there was a, um, uh, a chemical imbalance. He said it was a marketing term. 
And he told me to get off all of them and uh, get spirituality, diet, and uh, exercise. And uh, that, I, I don't have depression or anxiety anymore. But that was my wake-up call, that something had gone horribly off the rails. Uh, and I was I was told at the time that I was, um, I had uh, what was called, um, um, I was treatment resistant and I'll, I would be depressed the rest of my life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this whole idea that there's a chemical imbalance, that's been uh, just soundly disproven. But of course, we still have, I don't know how many tens of millions of people on these SSRIs. Again, as Correct. you say, not even remote. There's no studies. I've tried to find them that prove anything, right? You can't find the studies that have been done on kids, but they will tell you that these things have a a tail risk, if not a black box warning of, you know, suicide ideation and violence, right? So you have to wonder. You know, every time I read about some big new act of violence and they say, oh, it's it's the guns. I'm just over here wondering. And, you know, um, is it that unusual that we would have 50 to 100 of these events out of a population of 30, 40 million of medicated people with a tail risk? Nah, maybe not. Feels well within the realm of possible, but we're not we, we haven't had that conversation. I feel like people are starting to have that conversation now. So that's that's one of the great post COVID sequelae of the story for me is now, now we get to talk about this, right? How our food is designed to be addictive and is probably quite toxic. How our gut flora is important, like all this stuff, right? That we we're going back to my great grandma's like advice, go outside, get some sun, eat well, get good sleep, nothing fancy to it. Right. Um, but I, I feel like that's a, that's a big positive in this story is how many people are reclaiming their health from a system that actively has poisoned them and made them sick so it can sell them more stuff. And that's as kind as I can be. No, I absolutely 100% agree that COVID has kind of ripped off and opened the kimono of what's been going on for, you know, 50, 60 plus years of, of um, I guess, the wrong treatments for lots of people in terms of health. And I, like you, will not go to a doctor unless... I'm bleeding out, out of my eyes or something like that. It's just not <laughs> happening. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So, um, well, uh, so so I just want to uh, put in that I know that that you're going to be with Brett Weinstein, myself, Peter St. Ange on December 9th. If anybody's watching this before then, we're going to be exploring this in great depth because this is going to take a little bit of time. Ed, the thing I want is I want to help people move to action. I know a lot of people are kind of paralyzed. There's a lot of things happening. It's breaking really fast all the time. It's hard to keep up. So um, the, the purpose of this webinar series is to first explore, like, um, why are they doing what they're doing? Like, why did we get medical tyranny? What's going on with our financial system? And is, are there Malthusians who believe that, you know, resources are a huge issue and that's why we need to eat bugs and live in 15 minute cities, et cetera. So one is, you I think we have to understand why this is happening. And I don't want to do this with like blame and say, these are evil people with, you know, evil intent. I'm just going to say this, like you in the book, right? This is, here's the data. Here's they, they, if I'm this guy, if somebody says they're going to do something and then it happens, I'm going to think maybe they did it. Right. But I'm, I'm weird that way. Right. So, and then part two would be, well, how are they going about this? And they're hitting us with fifth generation warfare all the time now, which is, you know, occupies our cognitive space, propaganda, lying, gaslighting, all the tricks, right? Um, so that we can get to number three, which is, well, what do, you, what do you do, right? And that's the part I'm excited to help people because I think there's things people need to do. In particular, we could shift now um, uh, into uh, 
uh, I think people need to understand what's about to come financially. Maybe I'm a little bearish, um, but I'd like to talk with you about how you see the world uh, financially and and how all this sort of meshes in for you. But um, really looking forward to that webinar, by the way. Yeah, that's going to be fun. And we're going to get into lots of good stuff and it'll be a great discussion. And, you know, I'll give my opinions of what you need to do personally. Um, there, there's a lot you can do. And uh, my, my biggest thing that I've been saying since it's all unfolded is, you know, work, you can only can control how you react. And the biggest thing to do is not be in fear and take control of your health. And if you can get yourself as healthy and psychologically fit, you can withstand anything. And if you, mm -hmm. if you, if you, and if you trust and have faith and align yourself with other like-minded individuals, I think relate, human relationships are going to be more important than transactional relationships going forward, where you have, where you have people that have each other's backs, you're in the foxhole together. Um, you know, I, I, I was part of a, uh, a very prominent uh, person who had a lot of wealthy people last uh, this summer and last summer, they, what, 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 what can you do? And I said, you know, if you're rich and you think you're going to be protected from what's coming by your staff and your bodyguards, think again, you need, you need, you need people that have a connection emotionally with you and that you've established trust that those other people, when the, when the proverbial SHIT hits the fan, have their own families to worry about and they'll be gone. So mm -hmm. you need to form your own relationships. That's we'll talk more about that during the, the the webinar. But that's what I've been saying. And 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 get yourself as physically healthy as possible. You know, lose weight. Uh, you know, exercise, meditate, um, and 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 don't be in fear. Fear is fear causes so many other ailments uh, in the body system and can cripple you. And there's nothing to be fearful about as long as you have other people around you that, you know, that you can rely on.